Amen. It's lovely to see you all this morning. And uh, I'm breaking all the records this morning. This is the second time in six weeks I've spoken here. So uh, maybe this one will put Bill off from inviting me back again, but there we go. I want to take you into the Old Testament to the book of Ruth. Now, I know Bill spoke on this a few months, or within the past couple of months, if I remember rightly. And reading from the book of Ruth, and reading from the first chapter, but I'll also be including part of the fourth uh, part of it as well, which we will just look at in bits and as we're going through. The story is quite a simple story, but a very tragic story in a sense. Uh, Boaz and his wife and two boys had left uh, the nation of Israel to, uh, because it was a famine and they wanted to go somewhere else where there was plenty of food and because he wanted to look after his family and provide for them, which is no bad thing. His motive was probably right, but unfortunately he forgot that God overrules in every situation. And as a result of that, if you read this story and go through it, you find that uh, his trip to uh, Moab cost dearly the family situation. But God works things out in the end result. And that's what I am uh, confident of this morning. That for all of us, whatever situation in the crazy world in which we live at this moment in time, we need to remember that we still have a God who is in control. We still have a God who is working out his plans and his purposes for this world as much as for you and I as individuals. God is in control. And we need to remind ourselves more than ever in the light of what's going on today. And I don't want to touch anything like that there because that's a big, big minefield in every sense of the word about the last days and all the rest of it. Uh, when I read through Revelation, I read through the first five or six chapters and leave the rest for God to work out. Anyway, Elimelech. So we'll read from verse 6 on. Then Naomi arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard at the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So way back where she had left, God had then provided them. The famine had come to an end. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as he has dealt kindly with the dead and with me. Wow. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and lifted up their voices and wept. They said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. Sorry, ladies. If I should say I have hope, and we've heard a lot about hope this morning, and I want to touch that a little bit. If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Norfa kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, my sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her God. Return after 
your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And I think this is amazing. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Wow, I wonder where that comes from in the marriage ceremony. But there we go. We'll leave that one alone this morning. All right. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, Naomi stopped speaking to her. Now, that didn't mean that she stopped completely speaking. It was only on this issue. Okay. Now, the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. The woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Now, that word Mara is an interesting word because that word Mara simply means bitterness or bitter. Now, I don't know whether you know what the name Naomi means. Thank you. Sweetness. Sweetness. So you see the difference of her conception of what she was at that moment in time. And we need to remember that. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home back again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, I'm not going to read chapter 4, but I will be mentioning it as I go through. But when you get a chance, read chapter 4, or if you can, if you can multitask, you can read it while you're listening. Is that okay? And my simple heading of my message this morning is beauty for brokenness. We live in a broken world, folks. But we have a God who can bring beauty out of brokenness. And as we read through the Bible, we often see the picture of man at his worst. Well, we only need to look at the world today, and boy, we are seeing man at their worst. Selfish, fighting, cheating, abusing others for whatever reason, whether they're weaker or inferior to themselves. But in the middle of all the striving for power, we have this little book of Ruth, and it shines like a gem in the middle of so much darkness. For the account of this young woman's life shows us man at his best, when you follow this story through. It shows us what each of us can become under God's hand and leading. As we allow his love to flow into us and flow through us, we see hope arising from despair. And I've got five main points, and if you're any good at writing, you can fit them down, all right? First of all, hope for despair, wholeness for brokenness, sweetness from bitterness, abundance from want, Fullness from emptiness. Well, actually, if I'm looking at it now, if my arithmetic's right, it's more than that. Joy for sorrow and a glorious future from an unpromising beginning. And in these pages, we see love, compassion, 
and loyalty. So hope from despair. Martin, you, you brought those words through in the songs tonight, this morning. That word, hope, altogether. At the time that Naomi Ned made her decision to leave Moab to return to her home country of Judah, she was in a place where it felt as though she had no hope. She was despairing of what was what, all that had happened. Moab had not been a place of blessing for her or her family. Her husband, Elimelech's decision to move to Moab with his wife and family to avoid the famine in Judah had proved very costly. The future didn't seem all that good. And that's why Naomi tried to, uh, sorry, yeah, Naomi tried to persuade her daughter-in-laws to remain with their families. She told them to go back to their old families and their old gods and all the rest of it. But Ruth saw something beyond that. And that's why Ruth makes that declaration that your God will be my God. Naomi still had some connection with God, even in the middle of the crisis situation that she found herself in. She had nothing to offer them. She was looking forward only to having something to eat as the family provide for her when she got back home. wonder, do you ever feel as though you've lost all hope? Perhaps decisions you have made or other people have made for you have proved costly to you. Have you ever made wrong decisions? Oh, Mike, Matt, oh, you're risking it, boy. You're risking it. I'll not highlight them. Oh, I tell you what, we need to, God, and we need to be asking God more than ever to help us make the right decisions because they can bring us into despair. There's a word, an old, old gospel psalm, some of the real oldies, like Flora and I will remember it. And part of the words of that words, uh, uh, that song some says this, some face the future with fear in their heart and some never face it at all because they've lost all hope and they make decisions in those crazy situations. Well, I want to say this morning, as you look at the story of Naomi, she was very soon to find that God had other plans for her. He hadn't given up on her. He had a glorious future for her. He had a hope and a plan that would work out. It would take time, but it would work out. And she would rejoice again at the end of that story. Her lovely daughter-in-law refused to leave her. He began by planting a seed of hope in her heart that gradually something that would come to pass like a prophetic word and would be completely filled in her heart if only she held on to God. And you know, folks, we need to hold on to God at this moment in time like never before because who knows what the future holds at this moment in time. God of Naomi and Ruth, beloved, is the same God that you and I serve this morning. He is the same God that has called you and I to a personal relationship with Him. And He has a plans and a future for us. And we, ha- we know that scripture so well way back in Joshua. He hadn't given up on her. And the great thing is God has not given up on us and the world just yet. He wants to plant a seed of hope in our hearts today. And he wants to water that. He wants to nourish it. He wants it to grow in our hearts and lives. That we will hold on to that hope that says, my hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Don't settle for your situation that it is today, but allow God to bring you out of that dark place, out of that place where there is no hope, and bring you hope for despair. Don't allow despair to overwhelm you, but allow hope to take control of you and let that hope overwhelm you and bring you to something good in God. Because that hope will bring to a place of wholeness instead of brokenness. Naomi had been completely broken by her circumstances. She had exhausted all her natural resources. She felt hopeless to deal with the situation. But there this morning, you believe that where she was was just the right place for God to deal with her. And where you and I are this morning, folks, we are in the right place for God to start to do something in our lives that we need to bring us out of those places and take us on because our community needs us. They need us to have a hope. They need us to have wholeness that we can bring God's answer into a needy situation. She had exhausted everything. But God began to move in her life. It says, when Ruth refused to turn around and go back to her own people, I'm going to put it in our language, Naomi gave up trying to fix her own problem. And you know, folks, sometimes we are so busy trying to sort out our problems, <laughs> we forget that somebody else has already got the answer. And we can only hold on to him in those problems. She gave up. And dare I say, perhaps she just said, well, God, I can do nothing. Have you ever heard that? Lord, I can do nothing more. I give it all to you. How many times have you said that? Well, I want to encourage you to do it again this morning. She gave control of her life back to God. And we need to give him control this morning and wait and see what he has done for us. Because God can't lead you into a place where you're trying to sort it out yourself. You maybe need somebody else to help you sort out the problem. Is that right, Martin? And I'll not make <laughs> uh, He knows what I'm talking about. One or two of us do. Uh, no, I'll not go down that road. Uh, no, 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 no. I mustn't do that, Martin. I must be gracious this morning, mustn't I? When we are frantically trying to resolve a situation, we need to be willing to hand things over to God. And I tell you, my wife has said that to me many a time. Because I want to fix things. It's a man thing, isn't it? Oh, okay then. Must be just me. There's somebody far better at fixing problems than I am. And that's God. God takes control of broken Naomi. And he begins to rebuild her. Make her whole. And he wants to do that for you and I this morning. Jesus says this in the New Testament. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And often we finish that little word. But he goes on to say, but my purpose is to give you life in all of its fullness. John 10.10. 10. Well, I looked up that word fullness to see what it actually meant in the Chambers English Dictionary. And it's an amazing little word. It simply means healthy in body, taste, and morals. Oh, whoa. But it also then goes on to say, it also means complete, unbroken, uninjured, 
healed, damaged, conducive to bodily, and includes spiritual health. How many people here want to be healthy? Oh, some of you want to stay sick, do you? Well, I tell you what, God's got something better for you in spite of that. Don't stay there. Don't settle for that. Because we have a God who wants to heal us and make us whole. Amen. He wants to deal with the brokenness. He wants to take damaged people and make them whole and make them healthy. I want to be healthy. I don't want to settle for old age. David's only a spring chicken compared to me this morning. Little story back home, Northern Ireland. Flora's sister, who's sadly gone to be the Lord, she had a lovely young lady who was very friendly with her and Bert. And often she would call into the house to try to do what she could to help Edna and Bert at the time. And one time Flora was in there over in holiday. I love those times. Because I can live in the house and do what I want, when I want, whatever I want, when, without being told how to do it or what to do it. But it's nice to have her back again. Bert was just about to leave the house to go and to do some shopping. But he knew this young lady. And he stopped. He postponed going shopping. Because had he walked out of the house at that moment in time, because of her self-esteem, because she was broken and all sorts of things, she might have thought that he was going out to avoid her. But Bert stayed there. That's compassion. That's the love of God. And we need to be like that. And God doesn't want us to be broken at that young lady. He wants us to know God's wholeness and all that he is. He wants to make us complete, secure. He desires to heal us, to bring us into a place of freedom, freedom from fear, from anxiety. And here's one that we all need to get deal with at times. Freedom from the need for other people's affirmation. For many years when I first came into the ministry, I was bound by wondering and worrying what people thought of me in the ministry and the pastoral work and all the rest of it. And it took many years. It actually took 12, 18 years in the ministry before when we went to Colville. And I suddenly realized and I thought, I am not going to be held captive by this anymore. I'm going to be what God wants me to be and look for his affirmation and his honor in my life. I'll not be dealt with that. And no one needs to stay in a place of brokenness, but come into a place of wholeness. There's another little scripture that says, we are complete. We are full in him because of what he's done for us. And it's only in Christ ultimately that we will find completeness and wholeness, where we are healed, mended. And there I, I can I say it this morning, when he mends us, no expert will find the cracks. Because he doesn't leave cracks. He makes us whole. And that's the beauty of God. And the third one is sweetness for brokenness. Sweetness, sorry, for bitterness. Naomi had allowed her life circumstances to destroy her life. Her arrival in her hometown of Bethlehem caused quite a stir. 
the women rejoiced that she had come back home. But she hadn't come home as she went out. Is it really Naomi? They cried. Her answer, now listen, listen to it. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. They knew exactly what she was saying. Because I am bitter. It doesn't involve any of us here, but none of us are that kind of person. But I tell you what, I've been in church life and I've known people like that. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy? You getting what she's saying here? I wonder have you ever heard somebody say, it's all God's fault. If it hadn't have been for God, if God hadn't have done this, if God hadn't allowed that, if God hadn't have, ding, it wasn't because of God. It was because her husband had made a decision and took her out of the will of God. And I want to tell you something. I know what that's like. Because a year after Flora and I were married, the trouble started in Northern Ireland. Our baby had just been born in the middle of, the middle of November. And by Christmas, I made the decision that I would go back to Scotland and take my wife and kid. Because I said, I do not want to bring up my kid or children in Northern Ireland. And I was thinking to protect my family. But I tell you, uh, the stories I could tell about the six months we spent back in Scotland, it was hell on earth. It was horrendous. And I remember I, <laughs> it took a wee bit of work on God's part to get me where he wanted me. But one Thursday morning I woke up and I said, that's it. We're going back home. And by the Saturday we were on the train back to Northern Ireland. On the Monday morning I left to go out to look find, find a job. And I said to Flora, I'll not be home until I've got a job. That is a some statement. Well, I was home, I think, by lunchtime with three jobs for me and one for Flora. That's true. Because one of them, I was out in a test drive with one of the companies that I was going to drive lorries on. And the guy said to me, what does your wife do? And I said, well, she was a cleric. Ah, oh, he says, we've got a vacancy. We'll talk to the boss when we go back. So he takes me in and said, yeah, she can start with you next week. And God just overruled. And we never looked back from that. Because God suddenly had us back where we, he wanted us to be. Because I had made a decision to walk out of the will of God. Because I wanted and the right motives. But God took us back into a place of bitterness. A place of sweetness, sorry. Twelve years later, we left Northern Ireland to come into the ministry. And we knew then that was right. We knew it was right. She laid the blame fair and square at God's feet. But I want to say my Bible says, my Jesus says, I have come to bring life, to heal the broken heart, to set the captive free, to give sight to the blind, and to open prison doors. God does not want us in that place where we are prisoners to decisions we have made. We need to come back and say, make the biggest decision of our life and say, God, I give you all of my life. I give you all of my problems. Wouldn't it be great if you could hand over all your problems to God and just know the perfect peace of God because he's in control? You see, the problem with bitterness, it takes control of your life. Anger, resentment, they're all included. And when we become completely consumed by that, 
we risk losing everything. The writer to Hebrews says this, and it's interesting, the first part of it. It's actually a warning, but it's a prophetic warning as well as encouragement. The first bit of it is quite encouraging, it says. Work at living in peace with everyone. Oh, boy. Oh, that's hard, Lord. What? Have I got to live at peace with everybody in here? Oh, I'm looking at you. Well, hold on a minute. And when it comes to that, you've got to live in peace with me. That must be even hard. Okay. But here's the second part of that little saying. It says, work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And then he says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Wow. I think that is amazing. But he then goes on. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You see, we can infect others. We can infect others with our joy, with our happiness. You know, some people really get up your nose when they're happy and they're joyful and you're having a miserable day, don't they? Now, come on, let's be honest here. We can be honest in church. You know, you're having a rough day. You've got out the, out the wrong side of the bed. And somebody smiles at you and says, Good morning, it's a great day. No, no. You come to church. And you're expected to put on a lovely smiley face. There's got to be this heavenly glow around you when you come into church. <laughs> I used to have a, a I don't know what it was a, I don't know what it was, but uh in Pontypridd and in Colville, I would I was one of these pastors that you know, remember the good old days when the pastor used to stand at the door and shake hands as everybody went out the door. Yeah, thank God we've delivered from that. <laughs> but I used to do that and I'd be shaking hands and I don't know what it was, but it's sometimes someone and you're all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. I've had a good day. And some, for some reason, I'd hold on to their hands. Before I knew where they were, where I was, their shoulder was on, their head was on my shoulder. My wife was complaining about the makeup and the tears that were on my jackets. Because they hadn't. And God started to heal those people of their brokenness and their bitterness. Hallelujah. Sweetness for bitterness. Now I want to say that's the God I serve this morning. Fourthly and very quickly, abundantly from want. Oh, I've still got plenty of time. It's only quarter to twelve. Bill usually goes on till about one o'clock. <laughs> Don't tell Bill. Don't tell him. <laughs> Naomi laid it fair and squarely on God's hands. She said, I went out, but the Lord has brought me home empty. You ever felt empty spiritually? I know I have, many a time. Naomi had a spiritual emptiness. That's the way I'm putting it. She still had a connection with God of some sort. And sometimes as Christians, we get through some tough times. And they leave us at times feeling a little bit empty. Where are you, God? What are you doing in all of this? 
And God said to himself, why don't you listen? I am working out my plans, and I've got good plans for you. I've got a purpose for your life. Just hold on to me. Have you ever heard somebody say, just trust me? <laughs> you think you must be joking when you know who they are. But folks, with God, you can trust them. He'll always work it out. She perhaps talked about the Lord, I don't know. But she was still aware of in the background that God was there. She didn't understand what was going on. And sometimes it's like that. Or what he was doing. And she was running on empty. We've heard that so often in the Christian life. And tragedy and distress sometimes does that in us. But in it all, we need to learn to worship God. To trust him. Trust in the Lord, as the old hymn says, and don't despair. He is a friend so true. No matter what your troubles are, God will see you through. Amen? When we become physically or spiritually tired, we don't see clearly. We don't make right decisions. Flora has said to me many a time, let's go to bed and sleep on it. How many of you have said that? That's a good thing to do. I got up in the morning fresh, with a fresh pair of eyes, as they say, and look at the situation. But before you do that, just say, God, help me to see what you're doing in this situation. Some people reckon that out of the fullness that she found herself in, some people say, well, it's only coincidences. Well, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God. And when God starts to work out his plan, amazing things happen. If you know, read the story. Ruth was out gathering bits of wheat that was left over in the field. Guy saw her and said to his workers, hey, leave, a f leave, leave extra for her there. He was related to her, yes, through marriage. But he, she was a Moabitess. She was a Jew. You know, think of that what you want. God was working that situation out so that he could bring fullness into her emptiness. God knew what he was doing. Because so often in those situations back then, when women were in those situations, they were abused and used, mistreated harshly because of what, they were, what situation they were in. I tell you what, folks, God is not in the business of abusing and using women and no man should ever do the same, or woman. We're there to love them, to encourage them, to build them up, and, and, and do whatever we can to make sure that God blesses them in an amazing way. He looked after Ruth's needs and Naomi's needs. That was a God I have served. She didn't realize it at the time. Because if you look at the actual story situation, when Ruth provided her first baby... Naomi was the grandmother. I thought, yes, yeah, she was a grandmother, but she eventually was linked into the family line of Jesus himself through King David. That's what God does. She's empty, but he's beginning to fill up her life with what his plan is. You see, when God sees our needs, he doesn't just meet our needs. Sometimes he does, but sometimes he meets them more abundantly than we could ever think of imagine. He has ways and means that are far beyond our understanding if we are only willing to give him our complete emptiness. What do you do with your 
car tank when it gets empty. Come on, folks. You fill it up. You either put petrol or diesel and make sure you put the right one in because if you put the wrong one in, what happens? Exactly. So it's the same with God. If you go to the wrong source, you'll put the wrong stuff in. If you go to the right source, you'll put the right stuff into your life. Well, God will put the right stuff into your life. Amen? And that's the simpleness of it all. And fill up your tank. And it only takes three or four minutes to fill up a petrol or diesel tank. It's going to take you a couple of hours to fill up an electric, so I don't know which one you want. I'm not biased by any means. But I drive too many of them, and I will not be touching an electric if I can help it. I want to be filled up with the power, the love, the compassion, the grace that comes from Almighty God. Because there's no better to be filled up with. Amen? God poured his fullness into Ruth that blessed Naomi. And I can only imagine what that grandmother felt like when her first grandchild was born. Ladies, am I right? Baron, I've been a granddad. At least we just we quickly hand them go help them back. But that grandmother Naomi never thought in her life that she would be able to handle a grandchild. That's what God does. Way beyond anything that we can think or imagine. And it says there that she took that child, she hugged him into her body, and she looked after him as though he was her own. That's the goodness of God. That's the compassion of God. That's the fullness of God for that woman's life. Amen? And I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, where Paul's prayer for the church is this. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you'll never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What would you rather be filled with? Would you rather be filled with that or the emptiness or the hardness of what life has to offer? I know what I want. The fullness of God in my life. And then the last point is this. And we have a joy here this morning. Did you know that? We have actually got a joy here. Has she gone out with the baby? She's gone out with the baby. She has. Joy. How about J-O-Y? Do you remember the old chorus? And it's, where is it? God, there's only about half a dozen of us here know that one. That gives, eh, joy, 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 joy down in my heart, way down deep in my heart. Well, don't leave it down in your heart. For goodness sake, allow it to well up and overflow and touch people's lives. Share the joy that God has put into your life. Naomi returned with a heavy heart, but as she held her little grandson in her arms, wow, she was full. She was bursting. She was overflowing with a joy that God had brought. It took a wee bit of time, but folks, if we can only trust God, he will work out and bring us to that place where we can rejoice again in him. Amen. And the lovely thing is, the ladies then, they're, t- they're making a different declaration. And I think it's prophetic. Martin's been talking about, I believe this was a prophetic declaration over this, these ladies and the elders. It says this, the women turned around to Naomi and said this, Praise the Lord who has given you a family redeemer today. May he be famous in Israel. For this, may this child restore your youth and care for you in your old age. I'm looking for somebody to do that for me in my old age. 
and to look after my wife as well, of course. So if there's any volunteers, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much and has been better to you than seven sons. Wow! Boy, I tell you what, Naomi must have been absolutely overwhelmed with the joy that filled her life at that moment in time. God's plans had come, and not quite to full fruition, but boy, they were pretty close to it. Then the elders of the town, they make this declaration, and I believe it again is prophetic. May you be great in Ephrata and famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman, who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. And if you study the genealogy, you will find that there's a string right down there. It leads to King David, and then it leads into Jesus himself. That is awesome. That is awesome to me. Absolutely awesome. And that's what God can do when we give him our lives. God answered those prayers. I'm sure nobody at that time could have dreamt of. He dealt with the despair of Naomi's heart, Naomi's heart the brokenness of our spirit. He brought sweetness of spirit in the place of bitterness, abundantly filled her emptiness, and replaced her sorrow with great joy. And from it, I believe, he gave her a glorious future from an uncertain beginning. Amen. When I look back in the beginning of my life, some of you know this story. I'll only use it very, very shortly this morning. But I was brought up with a school teachers and a family that said I'd never achieve anything. Always compared with my elder brother. And when I know, as I know my elder brother now, I thank God I am not like him. But God saw beyond what they said. And God has made something beautiful of my life. A young man, the floor will tell you, many, many years ago, you would never have dreamt that I'd be doing this. I was the shyest one in the family. I was quiet. I was reserved. I wouldn't have said booty a goose. My nickname as a young person was a doer one. Now, the word doer in Scotland means that it's somebody who's never got a smile on their face. I was a hopeless case, but God, God saw beyond it all. And God made something beautiful of my life. Never think that God has given up on you. Never think there's no hope for you or for the future. Get your thinking straight. Get rid of the rubbish, or dare I say it, get your phone Flora said, don't make any, get the phone and press that jolly delete button and get rid of that stuff that only hinders, kills, steals, and destroys. Give it all to God and say, God, you make something beautiful out of all of this. Amen? God wants to fill our emptiness. He wants to give us joy and abundantly bless us as he did with Naomi. He may use some people to do it, But when we allow God, when we are willing to just hand it all over, who knows what God can do with your life. Now we'll finish with the points that I started with. 
Because you see, our community are full of people who are broken, who are empty, who have no hope, who have no joy. But you and I have the answer, and it's Jesus. It's God. And we can give them all of that. They need it, and they need to receive it through us. Hope for despair, wholeness from brokenness, sweetness from bitterness, abundance from want, fullness from emptiness, joy for sorrow, and a glorious future from an unpromising beginning. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. All my confusion, you all had understood. All I had to offer you was brokenness and strife, but you made something beautiful of my life. Father, I thank you this morning for what you have done, for what you are doing. And Lord, I pray for folks here this morning who perhaps this word has touched. Lord, that you will bring them to that place of just surrendering it all to you. And that you will fill them with the fullness of your spirit. Fill them with the fullness of your love. Because in the end result, you are all we need. You are the answer to it all, Lord. And as a result of that, we will be able to impact our community. Our community. The people that you love. The people that your son died for on the cross. We will be able to give them that hope. That joy. That sweetness that fullness, that confidence of knowing that you love them, you care for them, and you've got a plan for them. We worship you this morning, Lord. We magnify your name. We exalt you, Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus.